Hello, and welcome to Ivy Tower Talks. Honored that you could join us today. Allow me to introduce you to our founder and chief storyteller, Daniel Ivy. This is Daniel Ivy. Thank you for joining us today. I'm joined here by my dear friend Sean uh, and co-host, uh, as hey, well as uh, Patty Rose. Hello, hello. And uh, we're here to talk to you about Ivy Tower, which is uh, my business. It is a collaborative storytelling uh, experience. It is a skill building and enrichment process. It is a creative outlet. It is uh, a lot of different things. And uh, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about those things, uh, but also just to talk about my passion generally, which is uh, enhancing lives, uh, you know, bringing people alternative perspectives, uh, different ways to look at the world. And I think that uh, storytelling and gamification is, is the best way to do that. And so I I, uh, I you know, built a business to, to try to bring that to the world. So I really appreciate you both joining me. Um, uh, Sean, if you want to just mention a cool thing about yourself or, uh, or uh, you know, just kind of what you hope to get out of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm here because in addition to, you know, wanting to hear all the interesting chatter about nerdy game stuff, uh, I, I'm a war gamer and a painter. And, you know, hopefully I can bring some some context to the conversation by being able to chatter about those things and pretty exciting to hear uh, how Ivy Tower is is developing and morphing and just want to be a part of it. We are morphing. We're becoming something. Uh, I, uh, for those of you that don't know, I uh, co-hosted a, a podcast called the Yimbiest uh, podcast with Sean. Um, uh, before the pandemic, we were, uh, we were trying to get the, get the word out about affordable housing advocacy in our community. And, uh, it's something that I'm still very passionate about, but, um, you know, I think that we had a really good rapport there and I hope to kind of carry that forward. And, uh, and then of course we have our uh, illustrious producer, uh, Patty. Yeah. Hello. I am the host of the spent the rent podcast. That's how Daniel and I met, uh, like you just mentioned the Yimbiest podcast, you were talking about affordable housing and my podcast is called the spent the rent. And even though it's not about housing and it's not about finance, uh, it's, it, it is kind of about, you know, local community and people struggling, the underrepresented Lane County. So yeah. uh, it's really been great to meet a lot of people in the community. And this is another thing that kind of spawned from that, you know, that you reached out to me and you're like, hey, I want to do a podcast. You seem like you know what you're doing. And so here we are, and I'm excited to be a part of this. I don't know much about D&D, but I have been playing Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I walked in. It was on the screen. I don't know if he was pandering to me or not. I don't care either way. Um, it, was and, a slow, uh, it was a slow play. It took me 15 hours to get to that point, and I was only doing it to impress you. So. Perfect. Yeah, that's yeah. that's actually that's actually it earns more points than yeah. if it was organic. So but yeah, I thanks. Mean, for- honestly, we could stop doing this right now and just move directly to Baldur's Gate. I'll come over. We can log in. Yeah, abs- absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> they, by the way, seven. I think seven uh, uh, Golden Joystick Awards is the world-breaking uh, amount of awards. They got six for the game itself, and Larian Studios got a seventh for being Studio of the Year. So they're just sweeping everything. I'm not I mean, typically it's, it's, into it's the just, like super yeah. into the fantasy stuff, and I'm telling you. That's the, the story is gripping. Like it, it really yeah. makes you want to keep seeing what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? And it's very oh, adult. Yeah. It's very mature in terms of its themes. So it's, you know, be, be wary before, you know, I mean, obviously lots of kids can handle everything that's in that, in that game. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, um, don't, it's not the kind of game where you just buy and put your kid in front of without sort of some level of supervision or oversight. Yeah. Um, but, you'll walk uh, away and they will be in a long-term relationship with a woman who used to be a demon. 
right just happened. yeah right or just an uh or like a you know a, a bear tentacle faced bear yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but uh, i do want to take a minute here to talk about our uh Sponsor. Uh, so uh, McCluskey Makes is a company that we connected with uh, that I am just very fortunate to. Uh, I mean, they, they're based out of Anita, um, uh, but they make these uh, these uh, sort of tabletop LCD screens. That is, a, you know, for those of you that don't know, it is like very difficult to do this. I mean, you know, you think it would just be oh, yeah. as easy as slapping an LCD onto a table, but getting it to a point where it's transportable, where the you know you don't have wires hanging out of it, like all this stuff. Um, uh, you know, each tabletop is handcrafted by Eric McCluskey. Uh, when he decided to build the tabletop TV for his uh, for his D&D group, he set out to create a sleek, low-profile frame. He wanted nothing but the best for his friends, and so he crafted each piece from locally sourced walnut. Uh, he hand rubs it with a natural oil finish. Uh, it's custom lathed, and uh, and the, and the brass buttons and feet are all um, custom and and. Uh, and it's it's really uh, they're really impressive. They're super thin. Um, the actual the the weight on the forty three inch one comes in just about twenty two pounds, which is actually less than the giant uh, scroll thing tube of all the maps that I was toting around. So oh, yeah. it's uh, it's pretty and obviously a lot less awkward. Um, but um, but yeah, we we connected with them, and uh, you know we um, we are ramping up right now. We just have one. Uh, he's working on our second one. Um, but, uh, but we uh, hope to have them, uh, as, at as many tables as wants them. Um, it is a, uh, you know, one of our goals is to kind of get people away from screens, obviously. So if it's, if it's not an experience that you love, uh, just kind of having that, that screen in front of you on the table, um, then that's, you know, obviously not something that we're going to, we're going to deliver, but there are definitely people that, that are loving it. And, and from a storyteller standpoint, if I have people at the table that are into it, it just gives me so much uh, freedom. Um, I had a kid last week who was just like, how did you come up with the pizza slime monster stat block so fast? And, a, and, a, and, a, and a pizzeria map. Like I, like, how did you know we were going to do that? I'm like, look, you just, you gotta be prepared for everything, kid. And I, and I'm here to give you those tools. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I do know that when I saw that, that, uh, the first of the map tables that they make, I, I was real jealous of the one you have. I mean, it's super sleek. It's super high quality. I I'll probably pick one up sometime. And, and even just like, you know, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I've been in corporate world for almost 18 years and, and I mean, just there's a lot of offices and stuff. They'd want something that looks like that. That's nice. They could stick it on the wall. It looks just like a picture frame. Um, you know, you could have a sort of a promo video, a quiet promo video running on it, you know, cycling between pictures, whatever it is. I mean, these things are just really, uh, they look really great. And, um, and he, uh, he actually takes them apart and, uh, and sort of like, you know, reorganizes the components so that it's like they, they lay flat. It's, you know, it's a, there's no venting issues at all. It's it's been really great to use. But um, I do want to mention though, if you check it out, if you go to them, uh, make sure to tell them that uh, Ivy Tower sent you. Uh, if you do end up purchasing one, uh, you can use promo code Ivy Tower for fifty dollars off your order. So um, definitely give, definitely check that out. McCluskeyMakes.com. Um, it's M C C L U S K E Y Makes. Dot com, uh, and we'll get that link in the show notes, of course. So we've got some really exciting guests coming up here, a um, little panel discussion to kind of get us started. But um, before we get into that, I do just want to kind of um, talk a little bit about 
you know, the goal of the organization, what we're hoping to accomplish, not only with our programming, but also with this podcast specifically. I don't just want this to be a podcast that's kind of telling stories about what happened in the games, although this can be very amusing and I'm sure they'll come up. Um, uh, there's, there's lots of podcasts you can go to for that kind of thing. I think that really what I want to try to do is explain to people why this business exists, why I feel like it's filling a community need, uh, and, uh, and, and how, you know, role-playing games and gamification can, can really just improve lives in, in ways that people don't know, don't understand really. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, this project has really been kind of a, a passion project for me. I mean, Sean and I have been in so many games over the years. Um, uh, really though, what I want to talk about are kind of some specific things that we have uh, planned and, and how I kind of see us being able to, to enrich lives with this business. Um, you know, storytelling has just a long history of importance in our culture. Um, as you know, when you look at uh, human brain development, we're, we're meaning making machines, uh, we we use stories to contextualize reality, and uh, and and by doing that, by putting things in the form of a story, it makes it so that this impossibly complicated world is not overwhelming because we can tell ourselves a story about what's happening instead of you know, forcing ourselves to, to face the facts sometimes. And, and that can be good or bad. You know, sometimes you tell yourself a story that is incorrect and then you need to, uh, you know, kind of learn what the truth is, uh, in sometimes kind of a difficult way. But, um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, with, with some of our programs, we really want to, um, prioritize, uh, you know, proficiency with resource management, you know, being able to inventory management, um, you know, uh, figuring out how to do more with less, um, every kind of the hallmark of collaborative storytelling is that you always have kind of this bag of tricks at your disposal, whether it be powers, whether it be items that you've acquired. Um, and you know, you could think about that in terms of any movie that you've seen. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a magic wand or a spell book. I mean, it could be a key card that opens up all the doors on level two. It can be, uh, an owner's manual for a, um, vehicle that you need to drive on very short notice, you know, whatever it might be to kind of, to kind of serve that, to serve that story. Um, Patty, I mean, you know, how, how do you feel about inventory management in, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in Baldur's Gate? Oh yeah. It's not, I mean, I get uncovered it's way skill, too much. Right? Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. So like I said, it's not, it's new to me. So I end up losing stuff that I probably should have kept. I saw this great uh, comment online and I'm starting to see, cause like the more and more popular that game gets, I don't know if this would be a Baldur's Gate three podcast, but the more popular that game gets, the more people from kind of like other, you know, they're like, Oh, I don't use, I'm not usually a turn-based guy, but like, I want to check this out. And, and people are coming in and they're just like, man, this inventory system is just the worst. And then like experienced role players are just like, this is like a dream compared to a lot of other like inventory systems that we've seen in the past. I've just learned but, that you, you can't count anything out. Like right, you have to yes. know that everything has a purpose. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh man. What, what an important gamer skill to figure out whether or not you're the guy who goes through every little bottle in the entire play field and fills your pockets with every bit of nonsense in case, or if you just want to float by it and see the story and then realize that you needed that gem five hours ago. Yeah. Or just the allegory of like, you know, the idea of there being like potions or scrolls that like when you use them, they go away. They're just like a one-time use and you get people that are just, they hoard them. They're just like, well, yeah. I'm going to need it one day. And they go through like challenge after challenge after challenge. And the same thing in real world, like you've got this savings account or you've got this like rainy day fund, or you've got this, you know, one really cool, 
dress that you, you know, you were saving for a special occasion. Like it's, I think that role-playing and, and collaborative storytelling kind of teach us like, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say that you use it immediately every time. I mean, certainly there is some value in saving it for something, but you know, kind of finding that balance, don't save it forever. Don't spend it right away. Um, you know, uh, uh, you can, um, you can spend the rent, but not, not if it's due tomorrow. Right. right. I, th- <laughs> I think it's important too, for people when they're playing that game, to think about what kind of friend they're going to go multiplayer with. Because right, right. I got a buddy, Brian, he's like, we used to play D&D, paper, pencil, on the you know tabletop and whatnot mm-hmm. back in, when we were 13. And I, the game came out, and that's kind of what motivated me to want to try it. But then it, you know, when I, I jumped on with him, I, I remembered. I'm like, oh, crap, this guy takes two hours to put his shoes on. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. So oh, he, yeah. he has See to read it. every single thing multiple times. And so I'm kind of like what you were saying, Sean, where I'm like, I'd rather just kind of fly through it and make sure I got what I need kind yeah. of thing. But, yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's a learning curve for sure. Yeah. Um, but mean, there's also the best thing about getting together with other people is you can start to have, you know, groups of the people who rush ahead and figure out plot and people who stay behind and then you have people drag each other along. It's a, and just learning, just learning who those people are and learning how to identify them is so valuable. Like in the workforce and relationships, like when you're on a team, knowing who the people on your team are that can be relied upon to do certain things is just like, you know, I mean, we don't have character sheets in real life. That's a luxury that, that we have in a, in a role-playing game. And it would be great to be able to just like, okay, I'm sitting down at a table. We have to work on this project. It's going to affect 300 people across the organization. I would really love to just like know the exact skills of every single person at this table without it being weird. But it is, it's weird. People don't want to talk about that. There's all these like, you know, there's political capital involved. There's all types of reasons why people can't just say that. But plus, people um, are delusional, so the ways that they perceive themselves are questionable. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's uh, what, a whole different story. Wouldn't it be great to be able to sit down and have somebody say, like, "I'm super high energy and very productive, but easily distractible." Yeah, yeah. Like the power of being able to say that and have it not be bad is like yeah. I just wish that we could get there. And 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 so you know, some companies are better than others, obviously, but. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so there's the social skill side of things. There's the proficiency and resource management. There's risk calculation, uh, risk taking calculation. Um, uh, and then also there's the creative outlets. Um, I think we're going to talk about it more later with some of these guests. Cause I know we've got some creative people coming on, but you know, painting miniatures, painting portraits of your character, costume, making sculpting, 3d printing, um, you know, CNC machine training, uh, learning how to use artificial intelligence to enhance everything from, you know, a story that you want to tell, an essay that you want to write, a point that you want to make. Um, you know, these are all tools that are, you know, we are, we are very adept at using and we want to, to show our people how to, how to use them. I mean, we had an artist, very accomplished artist who drew, drew um, his character portrait. And I loved it. And I, but you know, I, as part of our service, we, we always do like an, an artificial intelligence, like portrait to kind of help kind of people draw into their character. But for the people that are artists, I don't necessarily want to take that away from them. So, uh, you know, I very sort of, I know this person very well. They're my nephew. So I, I kind of tentatively, you know, used theirs as a base and plugged it into AI. And I said, Hey, what do you think about this? Really just kind of, you know, leaving it open. And, you know, it, it's not like they just took it and made it their new character, which is not what I, my intention was anyway, they were like, Oh man, that's so cool. And, and they were able to use some of the ideas that came up in that and some of the lighting effects and some of the, the art style to create a finished product for their character. That is like way better than both. Uh, and, and, and that's, that, that's really what we want to try to work on. Like, how do we, how do we use the diversity of school of skills and tools at the table to, um, create a finished product? That's going to just be 
the best possible thing that it can be. Um, yeah. So I got, I'm obviously, I'm obviously very fired up about this. It's, it's, uh, I, 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 I knew that I loved this stuff, but it's been very, um, very reassuring that other people seem to be enjoying it too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, uh, beyond just enjoyment, a lot of these are life skills for me. I, I, I made my money as an analyst and I learned the first bit of what ended up being the math skills, figuring out, uh, two sixes on two D sixes that happens one in 36 times, you right. know? Those yeah. sort of things build out into, you know, whatever piece it is, build out into life skills that often are what. Gosh, that is such a that's such a huge one. I mean, human beings are just in general so incredibly bad at calculating risk and understanding. You know, we're we're so our brains are just so results oriented. We, you know, when you look at like policies that are made, rules that are written across society, it's always just like a knee jerk reaction to some problem. It's not like a proactive, like, you know, actual look at the at the data analytics. When you look at like some of the problematic affordable housing issues that that our community faces, it's because over the last 40 years, people that have very specific not nuanced, not data-driven, but very loud opinions show up to city council and the city councilors are like, okay, I guess we listen to that person and we yeah, just write all our the policy based on that. Yeah. And you know, it's not just one, it's, you know, several, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to uh, transition over to our guests, but before we do that, I do just want to talk quickly about um, some of the programming that we have coming up um, every Monday and Wednesday uh, from two 30 to five 30. Uh, we have an ongoing campaign on each of those days, a storytelling campaign. Uh, we do um, kind of a modified version of Dungeons and Dragons um, that, that is kind of uh, patented by uh, Ivy tower. And we, um, uh, so again, that's, that's Mondays and Wednesdays, two 30 to five 30, uh, starting on the third of January, the Wednesday game is actually going to be transitioning to the YMCA. Um, this is a partnership that we are over the moon excited about. Um, I've been trying to kind of bend their ear for, uh, for a long time. And obviously they've had a lot on their plate with moving into their giant state of the art facility. The 16th, there is an open house, uh, where we will be uh, featured and talking about our upcoming programs for the time being. It'll just be Wednesday afternoons, uh, from three 15 to five 15 for the eight to 12 year old program. And then five 15 to 17, uh, sorry, 515 to 715 for the teenagers um, uh, on Wednesdays uh, starting on January 3rd. But we have a lot of ideas about uh, future programming. And then we have um, the, our uh, pop-up uh, Pixie Market, uh, which is coming to Fun Again Games on 1217. Uh, we're partnering with Indra Hunter, uh, who is uh, Pixie herself. And uh, she has kind of a, a group of local artisans that have been doing some pop-up markets. And we're going to be running some games at that event as well. Um, there's going to be event t-shirts, a raffle, um, a, uh, uh, we're actually cooking up a raffle for a, for a nonprofit, um, and lots of different free events, but then there's also premium, uh, storytelling experiences, uh, for those that want to sign up for that. Uh, and then, uh, and then we're doing uh, magic, the gathering on Sunday nights, uh, at the Ivy tower, eight 30 PM till late. That is not, uh, directly storytelling related, but it's sort of our first kind of branch out into, um, you know, using other games that are, uh, you know, storytelling adjacent to kind of help with, uh, with some more, um, specific skills and, and hopefully have some, some fun, fill a need for, uh, for some of that type of stuff. But, um, but there's lots on the horizon, uh, that I could again, talk, talk about for days, but, uh, but check us out online. Uh, all of our links will be in the show notes and, uh, you know, let's get over to our, uh, panel here. 
We are joined today by Laura, Jessica, and Shannon on the Ivy Tower Talks podcast. Uh, I invited these three uh, lovely individuals here today to chat about kind of what we've been doing in in Ivy Tower. Um, They're all familiar with it uh, in various ways, and uh, I just really want to get their thoughts. Uh, So uh, so I'll kind of introduce you one at a time here. Uh, First, uh, Laura, um, if you want to just... chime in with a, with a thing about you and a, a thing you love, maybe? Okay, my name is Laura, and I love K-pop. Um, and a thing that I'm passionate about is on-the-ground um, crisis intervention in our community. So I guess I would like to plug um, the Whitebird Crisis Line, which is locally staffed for about 40 years, which is 541-687-4000, and I encourage people to save it in their phones. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and we'll put that in the show notes, too. Um, I uh, We actually have uh, not quite a partnership yet, but one of our upcoming programs is going to be interfacing with Hoots, which is um, kind of their uh, teen uh, crisis intervention outreach, um, uh, Whitebirds uh, thing. It's kind of short for Cahoots or whatever, so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, next is Jessica. Thanks for, uh, for joining us. Sorry, Jess, (laughs) thanks for joining us. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a thing about you and uh, a thing you love. Sure. Yeah. I'm Jess and, um, I'm, I run a small business called Wild Alive Outside, whose mission is connecting youth with nature through scientific inquiry, wilderness skills and outdoor adventures. And I would definitely say that aligns really well with my passion, which is being outdoors and getting kids outdoors. That is so awesome. Yeah. I I think, um, I think a big part of what we're trying to accomplish is to, you know, offer enrichment to the community, to to kids and adults, but, um, you know, in, in ways that, um, are, are different from what exists. So I love the idea of supporting, uh, you know, uh, ventures like yours that are that are doing the, the you know a similar thing but in a very different way obviously and uh, and of course your kids have incredibly high uh, knowledge of nature uh, because of it because <laughs> they're constantly <laughs> correcting me on various herbs and, uh, and and natural things which I which I love and, and that just adds so much to the to the storytelling experience so um, uh, and then next we have Shannon uh, Shannon yeah if you want to just chime in to say a kind of a thing you love and um, and uh, something maybe you're passionate about, a thing about you? So uh, my name is Shannon. I'm pretty new to Eugene, so I'm getting to know a lot of the things around here. Um, I, I mean, one of the things I love and one of the reasons I guess, you know, this is passed down to my kid is I am also a tabletop gamer. So I'm looking for a shadow run group if anyone's doing those. Um, I guess the one thing I would like to kind of plug in the community is um, I am the trans and gender diverse student support specialist over at the university. I'm a psychologist. And as we're coming into the holidays, often this is a very hard time for folks um, with kind of a diverse identities who may have uh, estrangement from their family. So I would like to make a plug for Transponder, which is the Eugene, um, the primary Eugene nonprofit um, that supports our trans and gender diverse folks in the community. That's awesome. They have a lot of resources and services available. That's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing that and and for uh, and for plugging that. Um, it's an issue that's very near and dear to my heart. My son is trans, um, and uh, we we really want to. I'm actually getting a Zelda trans tattoo next week. Yay! <laughs> um, uh, uh, kind of, um, you know, because we we we've played a lot of Zelda over the years together and and stuff. But um, uh, but yeah, and and actually, one of our newest storytellers, I I, I um I, I really hope she ends up joining it up. She wants to kind of check it out more, but um, 
but yeah, she is uh, trans as well. And uh, I just love the idea of having kind of a, a diverse array of, of storytellers at our, at our disposal. Um, and then of course, uh, you heard him at the top of the show, but uh, we have Sean as well joining us here for the panel discussion. Sean, uh, you want to, you want to chime in with um, something charming and witty? Oh yeah, that's definitely my specialty. Uh, yeah, my name's Sean. Um, I'm mostly a war gamer, uh, model maker. I like to paint, definitely do a lot of role play and storytelling. So, you know, pretty much everything that happens here is directly in the Venn diagram of geek stuff I love. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Venn diagrams, I mean, when you, when you start talking about neurodivergent folks and folks that are into theater and I mean, all these different sort of groups that are like, yeah, you should, you guys should really reach out to them more. And, and we are, we're, we're trying to cast as wide a net as possible, but yeah, the more, the more we, um, you know, uh, interact with folks, the more we're sort of seeing the, the Venn diagrams kind of turning into just giant circles where we're all, um, uh, you know, kind of loving and, and doing the same thing. Um, but, uh, but the, you know, the point, as I kind of talked about before is, uh, is to bring this to as many people as possible. So I want to kind of get everyone's thoughts. I think we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, great perspectives, uh, on the, on the, on the panel here. Um, so, uh, first, you know, whoever wants to chime in first, just kind of what, um, what has, uh, storytelling tabletop storytelling, sort of collaborative storytelling, you know, however you want to kind of label it. Lots of people just think of it as dungeons and dragons, but it, it, it's so much more than that. Um, uh, what, what has been kind of the impact on your life personally? Okay. I'll jump in. Um, the impact on, so this is Laura, I'm Daniel's wife. And um, wife. I, the impact on my life would be that we've been gaming together for 18 years. But in more recently, watching him kind of fuel a passion and connect with community in a way he hadn't been able to found, find um, a way to do professionally is really beautiful. And seeing how... Um, that passion translates to our kids. So what I've enjoyed is that our kids, um, we have an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old on Tuesday. Our eldest will be 11 on Tuesday. They are pretty different in a lot of ways, but both come together to play D&D specifically, and they really enjoy the storytelling aspect of it. Um I see something in them that took me a long time to develop. So when I first started playing, I was like really interested in combat and I got really nervous or embarrassed when role playing was happening. And my kids don't really have that experience. They're like pretty excited, it seems, about the story. And it doesn't seem like they're trying to jump from battle to battle um, to roll lots of dice. And so I just feel really hopeful about what that means for their confidence, um, how they're kind of working together despite their difference, and just like <laughs> the wacky um, characters that they come <laughs> up with <laughs> because they have such a, like, support and a sandbox environment to be creative. Like, they're not playing in a system that's rigid around character creation and so they've just gotten to be really um creative and it means that they're more engaged but i think the biggest uh standout for me is uh is you know just the idea of 
uh, thinking outside the box and, uh, you know, kind of putting people in a position where they can problem solve. And, and even if they don't come across the exact weird specific thing that the storyteller has laid out there, they're practicing, um, you know, problem solving with a limited toolkit with a, with a you know, limited number of, of things. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, anybody else is chiming in about D and D, uh, or, or storytelling generally? Yeah. Jess. Yeah. Well, this is a couple of things jumping off what, uh, Laura was just saying that reminded me of my kids is my kids are 13 and 16 and in a lot of ways they could not be more different. Um, but creative storytelling together has been something they have done since they were quite young. And it's always, um, amazed me the way they can just jump into a story together and in our house, um, definitely D&D is a thing, but not a huge thing. But what has been a huge thing through the years is what they sort of call choose your own adventure stories, where one person is the storyteller and then the other person, you know, makes choices along the way. So I think kind of in the same thread. Um, and they have spent like so many hours over the years when either screens weren't an option or we're like on a long hike and they're getting tired and one of them's the storyteller and the other one is you know helping direct the story and it's just been such a joy for me to see them get like have that way to connect and to be able to fully immerse themselves in these stories um even though they're so different and sometimes they struggle to find things to connect over, but somehow they can both go into this imaginative world and just be fully there together. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I love uh, their dynamic in the, in the, in the stories that we tell. And then also just kind of others generally, um, uh, you know, when, when they are, when they do have a relationship outside of the game and, and seeing how that kind of, you know, changes things and, and changes the dynamic, especially when their characters are, are so different. But um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you have to learn to work with people that are very different from you uh, in order to be, you know, successful, happy, fulfilled in, in the real world. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that it's certainly possible to without community or without people, but it's a lot harder. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, like it or not, we've got lots of people that we've got to chat with and, and, and make happy, whether it's your boss, your coworker, your family member, um, your neighbor, whatever, whatever it is. And, and, uh, storytelling really, really gets that out in, in a great way. Um, Shannon, go ahead. Uh, and, and Shannon, you mentioned Shadowrun. So we do have two storytellers that know the Shadowrun system inside and out. I have ah. never, I haven't played it since college. Um, uh, I, uh, I know you need a lot of D6s, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the cool thing about Shadowrun for people that don't know is that, um, well, there's a lot of cool things about it, but um, it it is more sort of modern day slash leading into science fiction. So I think that that sort of story, that kind of setting, can sometimes be more accessible um, uh, for people that don't uh, that, that kind of get turned off by you know you just start with Dungeons and Dragons and, and those two words they're just like a full stop. So <laughs> go ahead. Um, well, I guess I just wanted to add. Um, so I've I've been playing D and D since about ninety seven, ninety eight. So back when it was AD and D, and like and and with that, and so in, in terms of talking about it for myself, and then like looking at my kids' experience with it, and then I also um, I used to be um, the therapist for a program um, that if we people would often center it like on the kids and saying, Oh, well, they they have a hard time in like, you know, they have behavior problems or they have emotional problems. But if we really center what the actual concern is, is that they have long histories of trauma. And so I was like a kind of a day treatment setting in their school um, to support them. And I use D and D as, as a form of group and group therapy in there. And so we named a lot of things in here already about like, like the problem solving and the creativity and the ability to kind of, um, 
explore things in a much more safe way. And, you know, I know my own kids love just the, the absolute creativity you can use in this, but I would say that I also see for each, like myself and those kids and my own kids, there's also just a kind of sense of empowerment and also just a place to really express safely, like things that maybe you don't get to do in your other life. Like part of the reason I think I really like Shadowrun is like, Every single character there is like what you would call chaotic neutral. I mean, there's no like you are really a very self-serving, you know, person working under corporations. And like, I don't get to be this kind of I don't get that kind of need fulfilled in my day to day life. So I think there's a piece there that's also just about feeling empowered and making choices um, and exploring those things without having like there's no like consequences that are going to hurt you yet forever. You know? it's, it's so interesting when you look at kind of how these stories play out, um, and, you know, whether it be from the storyteller perspective or as a fellow player, because we, we experiment with both. Sometimes we'll bring in some of our storytellers to kind of enhance an existing narrative by acting as a character in the story. We'll have multiple storytellers kind of doing it. We're, we're experimenting with lots of different formats. But um, just the fact that, you know, some people create characters that are very similar to themselves and they want to explore maybe what the best possible version of themselves are, or they want to explore what a less idealized version of themselves are, whatever, whatever it may be. But then there's people that are just, they want to be the exact opposite. They just want to be, <laughs> I think Laura's first character was a, was a hulking, screaming barbarian, uh, which, you know, was not um, necessarily in alignment with kind of her, her normal problem solving methodology, <laughs> but you know, it, it, uh, it, it gets a job done. So. Was this aspirational, Laura? Are we unpacking something live? I, I want to hear it. Is there a barbarian inside that needs to be let out? I'm honestly disappointed in my husband because that wasn't my first character. I was thinking of Kiar. Um, Kiar was the shifter. My first character was Kiar, yeah. uh, a dual-wielding ranger. Oh, she who was a probably a bit more like me, but much more quiet. Yeah. Um, I have played barbarians, though, and I do tend to play characters that feel wildly different than who I am. Um, I'm the person who wants to do something different and to be someone really different and to play in that when I play D&D. But I was really appreciating something that Shannon said. Shannon, I'm also a clinician. I don't work as a therapist anymore, but um, I've had the opportunity also to use D&D in a, in a clinical setting. And I think it's really wonderful and exciting. And um but I was just thinking about my own journey because one of the questions that, Daniel, you had put out for me to think about was a favorite role-playing moment. And I, like, when I'm asked questions like that, I like to think, okay, I like to answer with what comes to mind first. Like, what's the instinct? And for me, it's a session that we had where the it was a really long session, I think, like, well, really long for me, I should say. Like, it was like four straight hours of just role-playing where the entire party had to put on an act in a play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was so awesome. And we had, I, was I actually don't a Pathfinder, why. A Pathfinder module. Um, it was the second yeah. of the, of the anyway, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll link into so the show fun. notes, but yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was the first time that I... I think that it was meaningful for me because I've, I started playing when I was like a very young adult at 22 and I'm 40 now. So I feel like I grew up a lot and it was like the first time and that we've grown up together it was the first time that I remember 
feeling totally immersed in the game, not the mm-hmm. combat, but the role playing. And it was such a fun session. And all of the players we were We left that the table, way. actually. We, we left the table and went into the living room. We were like, we just sat on the couches. We just, I knew yeah. it was going to be like a more kind of inviting so environment fun. for that. So, yeah. And I think since then, my relationship to that, I feel like I can engage in play better. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that for me, that's a big piece of the benefit as an adult. I can get lost in the minutia of adulting. And um, so I get, when I get to play, which is so important across the lifespan, um, and I get to reconnect with that, it's really helpful. So I think for me, that piece of growing up and becoming younger. <laughs> At the same time, by engaging in play has been really fun and important. I really, uh, another thing that I want to chat about um, is, uh, you know, kind of the different ways that we're going to engage different forms of creativity and creative expression as well throughout our programming. Um, I I just, I wonder if, uh, you know, obviously we talked about storytelling, we talked about skill building and stuff, but from each of your perspectives, what, what are some of the other sort of creative outlets that we can, that we can bring that we can help people sort of realize throughout and, and, you know, I, I, I really can't think of a creative outlet that that isn't applicable, but I, I'd love for you to kind of to chime in with some that you think would be uh, be good here. Well, one thing that comes to mind is uh, my daughter actually she's drawing constantly. And so this idea that she might spend some time and she's drawing characters, that's what she draws. She imagines these whole worlds and she draws characters in it. Um, so it's kind of exciting to think about the idea that she might be able to use those skills to express herself in this realm as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I'm just thinking about the character that she's playing right now is a, is a were Raven. And I, I made the mistake of assuming that the character portrayed on her character sheet was going to be sort of the human form of the were Raven, which of course she wants the birdie form. Uh, <laughs> so she, uh, so she like in session just drew it. And, uh, and I was like, okay, that's going to be a great launching point for what I'm going to turn your character portrait into. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, any, anyone else? Um, well, you know, it's like interesting. Kieran, uh, my kiddo, who's 12, about to turn 13, uh, is super shy, but not when he's Could playing d <laughs> and, and And when uh, he he does improv, he does that, the local theater thing here. And I think having both kind of that, you know, ex, you know physical outlet and then at the table, I, it allows him to kind of express in other places he also plays like violin and so i think and trombone and so i think sometimes like wow exercising the creativity and these other spaces kind of start to leak into his other hobbies so you see kind of an exploration of what will this sound like what will this you know when mm. you know that i don't i actually really think it kind of started more in like hey let's you know <laughs> let's try navigating this problem in this game, this kind of way. Yeah. I I think that that your kid is scary smart. And I've told you this before he's at any given time. I think, uh, as far as I can remember, probably the smartest kid in the smartest human in the room. Uh, he, he, uh, with delightful clarity, um, uh, uh, corrects me frequently about, um, dinosaur name pronunciations and, and facts because he <laughs> is playing a druid and druids get to turn into dinosaurs. Well, they get turned to animals, yeah. 
but he gets to turn into dinosaurs, which is the important thing. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, and and I love the idea that the um, that all of those different creative avenues, whether it be music, whether I mean, I I consider myself a bard in real life, even though I'm not a musician, I'm more of a storyteller, um, and uh, and I love those types of creative expressions sort of coming out. Like when I'm a player in a game, I'm like writing lines of uh, you know a poem or, or something that I'm that I want to belt out in the next in the next turn, and and seeing that sort of uh, come out organically throughout the, the telling of a story is, is not only is it great for the story itself, but I, we, we've built a system where we can draw upon those resources and incorporate them into, into, uh, into the world that we're really building together. And, and we have a lot of different kind of campaign worlds and universes that we kind of explore um, throughout the story. Some of them are just earth, <laughs> you know, some of them are, 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 are other far off worlds, but um, you know, thankfully uh, with the, uh, with the nerds being in power, um, sort of on a on a on a corporate level across <laughs> across the world, we we get things like Marvel and and Star Wars, just uh, these titanic intellectual properties that are bringing things like, you know, other worlds and multi dimensional exploration into into sort of the zeitgeist in in a way that um, that makes for some really fun stories. So. Um, I, uh, I, I just want to give everyone one, one quick minute for some, for some closing thoughts, anything else that you want to say? I, I, I mean, I, I know you can, and I know that we can talk about this stuff for hours, but I, I just really appreciate, uh, kind of, kind of everything that's been said so far. Anything else that we want to kind of chat about here? I'll just add that I think it would be neat for writing to be a part, um, or like writing modules, writing adventures, how, like, especially I think what I've heard is that there are some particularly teenagers who are like ready to roll with that and how to mm. write it yeah. in a way that it could be shared with others or ran by others, um, like a common language almost. Um, I think that that would be a really exciting avenue for folks to explore. And some of the older kids or adults who are really interested in like expanding on already existing knowledge of role-playing or tabletop gaming and also a way to really expand the universes or worlds that people are playing in and like bring in a different type of creativity with that. So you're saying that it's not just enough for me to build a world. We have to make, we have to get them all writing fan fiction on AO3 about the worlds that we create no. in D&D. &D. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. no, they need to write no, their know, own I modules. Know. No, yeah, I know that. <laughs> um, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just trying to bring fringe, fringe interest into the conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, fan fiction's fringe anymore. Yeah, you're it right. used That's to be. True. Mm -hmm. Sean, what's up? You know, the, the improv uh, creative aspect is always what I found to be the most valuable. I, I definitely have preferred the storytelling side. And I, when I hear about the improv piece, that creative outlet, being somebody who's telling a story, communicating to someone, creating a picture in their mind that is, you know, shared is that's a really, that's a really interesting and hard to develop skill being understood in a way that is, you know, more than just you know, basic and literal. I think, I think there's a lot of really amazing outlet to being on both sides of the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anding is a huge part of, of yeah. what we do. I, I really don't like telling people no generally. And, and if I do, I generally have a reason, like a specific reason why, and it, it's not going to have anything to do with it, not being realistic or not being a good idea or whatever. We'll, we'll turn it into a good idea. Usually it's because it, it doesn't serve the story or some other player's experience in some ways. Usually the only time we have to say no, but, um, but yeah, it's a, and sort of learning how to be adaptable and pivot is, yeah, it's, I mean, change is the only constant in the world. It's a, it's a thing that we, uh, that we say a lot. Uh, or, 
I used to say it in the corporate world. I'm not really in there anymore, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Being, being adaptable to changes is huge. So, but, uh, but thank you, uh, uh, the three of you for uh, joining us here today. And of course for, uh, for my glorious co-host, um, uh, uh, Laura, uh, Jess and, and Shannon, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.